So fuck's sake. siblings who have quite a few resentments and we're here to share them with you. No one else is fucking doing it. I don't want, actually, you know what? Today I'm out. I've got a resentment against myself. I reckon everyone in that school is back in. Yeah. You don't need to put the effort into actually changing yourself <laughs> for the better. I cannot stand the man. That's the, the only time I've ever felt like a man. They're corrupt people. Uh, this is uh, The Resentment List. Omi's away. It was supposed to be the 50th episode, uh, but we uh, we had some scheduling issues, so we're going to have to put that off. But that's another week that you can um, email in with some resentments. Uh, against us and we got a special guest today dad welcome to the podcast thanks ben it's a real honor to be here i'm quite um feeling quite nervous i feel like i've made the celebrity uh high grade uh it's great to be the big game yeah um thank you for coming on um now you you weren't the first choice as guest. Uh, as well, you, I guess that as you've noticed because you haven't been on before. But um, look, I I just I guess I thought it was interesting to um to have to have someone of your ilk on the podcast because um you're significantly older than yeah, significantly. anyone we've had before. Um, so um, we just we wanted to get your perspective on things and um. And just hear hear maybe what what your resentments are, and just and just get a bit of a different a different look at things. But you've come in and you just told me that you you don't you don't have many resentments at the moment. Um, you're in a pretty happy state, which is um, yeah, I am. I was trying to think of some resentments, and I found I didn't have that many. Um, uh, I guess I have a few I could talk about. Uh, yeah, have you thought of any? Well, yeah, I I don't like the way um, people treat people my age especially uh people who serve you in shops this is a common one for people my age that uh they feel patronized when they at a supermarket or a cafe when people are are nice to them but in a very dismissive way i hate it when people call me sport or champ uh, who's calling you that a lot of shop especially male male well obviously male shop owners will go shop servers will go Sure thing, champ. It sounds like a okay, PE sport. teacher or something. I know. It's it's a kind of, it's a strange uh, way of speaking to someone. And I, I you feel like saying, look, I'm not, would you mind not calling me champ? I'm not a champ. It just really blows my mind. But there's other things too, like the way if you're at a, you're, I think women sometimes feel this. If you're at a, um, older women, if you're at a, a supermarket, for example, the person will be very, uh, cursory with you and treat you in a very kind of non-personal uh, way and then the next person who happens to be younger and good looking is suddenly treated with great affection and charm and and you feel like well thank you I feel really visible now yeah um, especially it's worse for women but I, older men get it too you kind of think just because you have grey hair doesn't mean that you're not intelligent or actually yeah, but- present 
But you can kind of, I mean, you can kind of understand it when, like, you listen to, like, Omi, who's, um, what is she say? Okay. She's sending me messages from, from, um, across Australia. Omi's in Sydney at the moment. Um, but, um, she said, I don't know how to turn this fucking thing off. It's, okay. All right. We're having some, some problems here. Um, I might have to edit this out. I don't know what's going on with my computer. But anyway, because she said with, because she worked in hospitality and she said, um, I don't know if we've mentioned this on the podcast, but I think it's just that people of a, of a certain age demographic, which you are heading to at an alarming pace. Um, <laughs> um, I think I sailed past it years ago. Yeah. Is that they, they can be quite difficult in the hospitality environment. Like they have very strict, like one of the things is like, with the coffees yes they have yes. very um sensitive digestive systems yes. and, and bowel processes yes so yes. they have very strict kind of ideas and lots of details yes. and yes the milk needs to be at a certain heat and the shot needs to be at a certain strength and and if you know anything about the way coffee is made which which omi does is like um you can't there's certain things that you just can't actually change like the, sh- the shots are you can't make a shot stronger. You can either have an extra shot or just have the regular shot. You yeah. know what I mean? And with the coffee is like, um, with the milk, you can only um, heat it up a certain amount or it actually burns. And some people come in and they ask for hotter milk. And it's like, well, what am I going to do? Just burn the milk? <laughs> so yeah. so it is hard, but I, I understand what you mean because I, well, I actually, I like... Um, when I go into the places and they call me love, oh, you like that? Yeah, I like that. Even though I'm I'm um, I'm aging rapidly myself, um, I kind of like it's kind of like a throwback to to me feeling young and feeling like I can you know I'm I'm a go getter and can accomplish anything in the world and um, so I like it. You know, I like being being treated with a with a certain amount of. Um, with kind of with kind of kid gloves and it's well, just nice. Yeah, me. I think people my age don't generally like being called love because it makes them feel like they're they're you know ready for the grave, like they have to be handled with kid gloves and care. Rather than I really like it when people are just open with you in a very natural way, when they're not too nice, they're not too nasty, they're not patronising, they just do the business. Um, yeah, that, that's good. Like, um, like I like, you know what I do like is I like like, a, um, it might not be the same for you cause you're older, but I like when it's someone the same age as me and they're just like really kind of no nonsense kind of ocker guys. And it's just like straight up, they're just like, oh yeah, there you go, mate. That's it. Yeah, and they, just, like that they don't say too. too much. They're just, they're, they have that nice customer service. But they don't go over the top where it gets to that patronising thing where they yeah. put on that sweet voice like some some of these people do. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. But I actually do agree with you about those picky customers. They drive me crazy in cafes when you're waiting to order and the person in front of you is describing war and peace for their order. Yeah. And then asking questions about every little thing. You get quite... It, it's really quite frustrating when you've only got like one thing to order and this person seems to be obsessed with getting the order just right. Um, yeah. Well, I had another, it's a related resentment probably coming from yeah. the other side. It's like I went to um, went to a cafe the other day for, um, uh, I think, for the work, like Christmas party. 
there's a lot of like because it's a lot of people there's a lot of different like dietary requirements and all that and the menu said on it um i think it was um something like you can't make a substitution unless you have uh, a health issue or you're a vegetarian right and that and i understand that and omi would probably disagree with me because she usually goes with the kind of the side of making it easier because the the hospitality people have it tough um but i kind of think i always kind of go why can't you just make it without the thing like is it does it hurt the chef's reputation if what that ingredient is like central to the dish like are they sensitive about that that they're misrepresenting what they do or why can't you just take that one thing out yeah no i agree with you that does sound ridiculous it sounds it sounds like they're just sick of people making substitutions and they're trying to keep them as narrow as possible yeah it doesn't seem that hard to me to just take something out no i don't think it is uh i think yeah i don't like the idea that i don't like it when restaurants just make things harder for you cafes make it harder for you yeah just for the sheer bloody mindedness of it yeah i can understand it's hard for them when people are endlessly substituting stuff that must get very tiring but i don't think it's that difficult especially these days that's what people expect yeah, and that, the other thing is like the closing thing, and I've mentioned it before that there's yeah, that kind that's of right. the passive aggressive trying to get you to move. But yes, the the thing is like I just when I went to um, went to coffee with you the other day, I had to spend a lot of time. The only thing I was looking for was a place near us that would make decent coffee, and that would be open at two o'clock. Yeah, and that's like impossible yeah. because they want to close like. The weekends are like their busiest business, and they but they all close at like two o'clock. Yes, that's so right. So it's like impossible. Yes. And that's the thing with Perth is like an added thing about Perth when you're going out is you always have to check if a place is going to be actually open because well, they seem to just kind of have this kind of mum and pop kind of attitude to everything. They're just like, oh, we didn't feel like opening today. Well, that was weird, that cafe, because when you walked in, all the chairs were on the tables and you felt... I had to ask, are you open? Because you, you got the vibe that they really didn't want any customers. And they were quite nice to you, but you really got the impression that you were interrupting their closing, uh, that it was already closed. Yeah, and then out the back, they were still serving people. Yeah. But when I walked in, it was lucky you were there and you sent me a text here right back, because when I walked in, they had all the chairs on the tables and no one was inside. I thought they'd shut already. Yeah, that's so what it's I like thought. Anyone that comes along, like if I was there and I wasn't, I wasn't meeting you. I was just going for a coffee. I would have just assumed it's shut because when you walk in, everything's closed up shop already. Yeah, no. The message, the message was very much, we don't really want you, um, which is I don't think it's a good look for a for a cafe. Really, the people were nice enough though. They were good, and it was good coffee. But I, that, that is a thing in Perth. It's kind of like they, it's a very old attitude of like they don't really want your business no like they're just like they could kind of take it or leave it like it's pretty funny but i had a had an experience kind of like what you were saying with the patronizing thing but it was actually a positive one and i want to say like sometimes um it's kind of good when i don't know i don't know how to explain it but like you know like that classic situation of that tour guide kind of people are always really patronizing they're always like yeah they're always like um like with safety stuff so i went to this um this forest adventures thing in in bustleton and it was like kind of rock climbing but up trees 
and then it was like zip lining and stuff. Oh, okay. And they had that classic guy like in South Park that was just like, if you do this, you're going to have a bad time. <laughs> but I but I actually saw the other side of it because I was like, it must be so hard for him to, he d- goes through these things like every hour and has to go through the same spiel every time. And he manages to make it still really upbeat and like um, get everyone engaged, like all the different ages and keep everyone safe. And, and he like, and we arrived late. So he kind of showed us through everything. And I kind of thought, I, I kind of have a bit of gratitude for those two guard guys. Cause it must be hard just repeating stuff the same time all, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I often think about that when say someone like a bus driver at Rottnest has to take people around all day and has to set, sound upbeat all the time yeah. and chippy all the time when there's people there's people who are kind of must be giving him the complete shits yeah but he has to be friendly and nice and sound oh, how exciting is this how wonderful yeah mind you you do i also like it occasionally when you get someone who is just really in a shitty mood it kind of introduces a note of realism into the into the thing where someone just just looks like they've had enough yeah um well if they do that in like a friendly way it's okay but like yeah. the the bus drivers and stuff it's such a thing of like they they really just they loathe you for getting the bus and it's like i through the whole kind of bus system i pay your wages so why would you why would you treat me that way you know so yeah it's it's a bit the, the customer service industry is just it's fraught with danger um but another thing i did in the weekend is i got as i got a friend to read my tarot card wow that's uh that's interesting what do you think about the tarot is it usually well i don't believe them but they're kind of fun to to play with um yeah well i think it's good for from like a from like an art therapy perspective of you can kind of it's a good provocation to to think of things differently yeah, I think to, to I analyze think, what's going on. Yeah, I think it, it's a nice kind of creative way of getting people to think about their lives when it's done well. So what did the tarot show you? Well, the funny thing about this one is usually like with a tarot or astrology or something, it's kind of vague enough that um that you kind of you can't you can't take it badly. So it's usually That's true. a wholly positive experience. Yeah. And that's what they're criticized for. But to be honest, that's what you want. Yeah, that's you don't right. want your tarot to say something negative. No, but I this was the first time in my life where it said something negative to me, and I was just what, like, "What did you it say? You don't want someone, you know, someone who's prone to to negative thoughts or depression no. or something. I just want them to have the vague kind of, yeah, everything's going to be great. Just just look up. But this is what I got. So I don't know what the the cards was, but the past was. I remember this one. The past was the lovers. Right? Yep. And so we looked up what that meant. So it means in my past, I had a good relationship. Okay. So that's like, that's like, okay, but it's like, it's in the past. So it's not really going to help me that much. No. And then the, the present one was basically like one, one of the numbers of knives. And we looked up what it meant and it means, um, it was like the heart of knives or something. And it means the end of a relationship. Well, so I was like, okay, well, okay. So now we got it's pretty timely things. for you. So in the past, things used to be good. I used to have a relationship. In the present, all that's ending. So don't worry about that. And then in the future, basically what it meant was, don't be too optimistic because <laughs> things could end badly for you. So, <laughs> so really, what it comes down to for me is, things used to be good, 
Now the good stuff is kind of wrapping up, but don't be positive about the future because it's going to get worse. Well, it could be that, you know, it's that old saying that if you don't expect much, it'll surprise you and it's good, you know. You know, if, you, if you're expecting the worst, maybe something good will happen. But see, that's the thing about, um, about why they should keep it vague is because I'm the kind of person where if I'm not optimistic, I just won't leave my house. Yeah. So I, I don't need to... And, and I understand that that could be good for someone, someone that just dives into everything expecting it's going to be fine. Like you should consider um, things that could end up not as you hoped and all that. But for me, I, I just have to be optimistic. So it didn't really work out for me because it just made me feel like, oh, well, I just won't try anything now. No, but then you find you've got to discover your skepticism and you say this is complete bullshit and it's totally meaningless. No, I think it's I think it's the end for me. I think <laughs> I should wrap up. Well, that's up. always a positive way to look at it. Uh, <laughs> well, that's, <laughs> that's how I train my kids to be optimistic and positive. Yeah, yeah. Um, how do you feel about? I did want to ask you. How do you feel about the um, the the way we've kind of represented you on the podcast? I think on the whole, it's pretty fair. I think I don't think you've actually said anything that I don't agree with. I yeah. think I think sometimes the um, Sometimes you make me sound a bit kind of um, old and befuddled. But then when I think about that, I think that's pretty accurate. So I can't really argue with that. I am a sort of vague professor type. Okay. Yeah, I think... Uh, well, we have... I mean, I thought it was a good one when we mentioned um, that thing about the, the philosophy colloquium yeah that was a good last one. year that was you, impressive you just floated in I as did. some kind of i i, th- I kind of see you sometimes as kind of like a uh professor from harry potter yeah like you're kind of you're you're so advanced in magic which for you is literature that you don't need to be um have a have a, a bodily form anymore you're kind yeah. of you're kind of in the world of ideas you're, you're kind of like a like a um like a cloud of ideas. Like you're not really a person anymore. <laughs> well, I didn't like the way you described me and I liked the way you described that I floated in because I didn't really feel like I floated in. And I liked the way you described me with my head down like I was asleep and then occasionally I'd make a grunt or something yeah. of affirmation. Well, you're on like a, you're on a higher plane where you don't really need to make any kind of contact with the material. You kind of need to, you're just in the same room and then it kind of by osmosis, you just take it in. <laughs> that's a nice way of putting it. Yeah, and no, then, I, that's a pretty positive. And uh, then occasionally there's that classic dad cackle of laughter that comes. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but see, mainly I do the cackle of laughter because I, I feel that I need to support the person who's speaking. I always feel that... Of the, the the vulnerability of the person who's presenting, and it doesn't matter who it is, I always feel I have to give them support that somebody's listening to them, and somebody is appreciating their sense of humour, um, especially when there are other people in the room who I know are going to, as soon as they finish, jump on them and be nasty to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which... So I always feel I have to. I feel really. It's just part of this thing that I kind of empathise with them and I want to give them some warmth. The, the same reason if I'm in a theatre, I try my hardest to laugh loudly so the actors feel that someone in the audience is listening to them. Yeah. And it is a kind of forced cackle sometimes. Well, I see, I, I've always wondered about that because I'm the opposite and, um, and you and me are, are both very shy people. Yes. And, and, and mum and Omi are have shyness as well and um 
and I, whenever I go to think, like I've been to stand up comedy a few times and I've been to improv a few times and I feel the same way. Like I want to laugh to support them. And I, and I do really believe in that thing that being part of an audience, you have a role and you need to participate. Mm. Um, and we, especially with comedy, you need to have your own energy up because the comedian needs to feed off you. Um, but my problem is that my shyness gets in the way is that I can't force myself to laugh. Even when I sit, think something's funny, if it doesn't produce that like, kind of involuntary response of laughter, I can't force it. So how did you manage to start like forcing it out? Well, it's because I'm a performer myself, I think. So I'm used to acting things. Yeah. So it's really just, it is a, I think there's a big difference between my real laugh and my false laugh. Yeah. And my false laugh, I think if people know me well, they will they can tell the difference between yeah. the laugh I put on where it's a polite laugh and the laugh I put on where I'm really funny. Well, I'm really amused. When I'm really amused, actually, I don't make much sound. That's the difference. Okay. So the false laugh is the louder laugh, whereas if something really makes me laugh deeply, I tend to laugh very quietly. So it's really interesting. But I think it's because I'm an actor as well. I, Whenever I'm in an audience, I empathise with the actors. Yeah. Not the audience. So yeah. I, I always feel like I'm up on stage. I'm terrified. People, you know, there, there's this silence out there and uh, someone's got to support them. Um, yeah. I get that too. Like, I think that's quite a common thing is that when you, what makes it awkward to be an audience member is um, that you feel nervous for the performer. Yeah, I always do. And that and that almost makes it harder to engage in the performance. Yeah, enough. it does. It does. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Yeah. Um, but um, I think what well, I think what well, might be a good idea is I found this quiz because I, I wanted to find out if there really is a difference between um, between what am I a millennial? Yeah, you're a millennial. Okay. Um, so, and you're, I guess you're a boomer. I think the I'm, thing I read. Technically, I'm on the edge of boomerdom. Yeah. But for all intents and purposes, yes, I'm a boomer. Well, um, so you, so I think the boomer they said ended at 64. Yeah. So we're not sure um, exactly uh, if you, if you share their ideas, but because there's a new thing where, um, Many people in our culture, and, and and Omi and I would count ourselves as as those who feel like it's okay to just completely shit on boomers all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I got you know. To be honest, my resentment here is more at boomers who continually write columns and talk about millennials as being lazy, self-interested, neurotic, uh, narcissistic. I tend to side always with the millennials in this because the millennials in my experience, that is my students and my children and my friends' children, are quite the opposite of that. They're serious, they're involved with the world, they want to do good in the world. Uh, so I get, I actually, one of my biggest resentments is the, is the way that say someone, you'll hear that whole thing about climate change and people about young climate change activists and this continual kind of hypocritical attack on on millennials as being, you know, narcissistic and and lazy. I just find that objectionable. Well, it's funny that they call it lazy when, like, the only thing... They, they just parrot the same things. And one of the things yeah. is that you hear just again and again is, like, oh, you care about 
um, climate change, but you won't give up your iPhone. Have you heard yes, that one a lot? Ri- yeah, it's and completely it's, ridiculous. And it's like, well, actually, a lot of people have. Yes, and, that's um, right. Yeah, but um, but I, I, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to let these resentments go. And I guess this is why this is why tribalism is such a, like a big thing. Is that once we feel part of something and we feel like someone else is different, that we kind of pile on. Um, and it's hard to give up because you just find so many things that confirm it. And um, well, I think it's guilt too. Boomers know that they've stuffed the world up. And they're trying, and a lot of it is defensiveness. Yeah. Because they feel under attack, uh, and I think for good reason. I think, I think boomers have made terrible mess of the world. But there's this thing I saw recently that kind of just entrenched it further. Is that um, I was at the this year's um, philosophy colloquium, and we were talking about like, um, I guess like um, civil disobedience, like like um, striking and protests and all that kind of stuff. And the guy there that was like would be considered a boomer was like said that kind of all all protesting is just narcissistic wish fulfillment. And this guy is like quite an established philosopher and this is what he said and it just goes to that thing of like that boomers just feel like I guess because they came through the the all try a uh, uh, cynical about all the change that they tried to affect in their younger days that they feel like people shouldn't even try now yes but when you think about it and this is a big thing i think that's ridiculous too um one of my favorite essayists rebecca solnit talks about how the idea that the demonstrations of the 60s and 70s didn't change anything is plainly ridiculous because you wouldn't have lgbtiq liberation you wouldn't have environmentalism you wouldn't have the feminism you wouldn't have post-colonialism you wouldn't have any of the things that have changed the world for the better without those demonstrations the culture has changed but where does but why are some even some progressive boomers why are they why do they have this apathy why do they not even want to try and change things well i think because as you grow older uh you do grow more your life you have more investment in a certain life so it, you just become complacent and you lose energy. And not all boomers do. Some boomers get more radical. I mean, an older, look at my, my your grandma who is turning 90 at the weekend and is more left-wing than me. Yeah. Um, some So not everybody, but I think you do start to get a family, you start to have grandchildren, you start to, you've bought a house, you just have more investment in the in the society that is. And part of you feels... I think there is a kind of displaced sense that um, I wish you you wish you were like these people who are radical, and I think that shows itself and active, and that shows itself in a sense of again compensation where you go, uh, they're not doing anything, they won't do any good because you f- you feel yourself that you didn't live up to the dreams that you had yeah. when you were younger. Um, well, this this quiz is called were you born in the right generation and i guess before we start i start asking you the questions would you say that how would you define yourself do you see yourself as part of this um this apathetic privileged conservative baby boomer thing or do you still see that you're um that you have kind of hope for changing things and that you question your privilege or where where would you think you sit Oh, well, I think like everything, it's contradictory. I think there's a lot of things 
in my life that would fit in comfortably into the boomer stereotype. Yeah. But I haven't, I, I think you would agree, I haven't lost my, my, my desire for change and I haven't lost my, my political ideals and I haven't lost my sense that things can be changed. And uh, so I haven't lost hope in that sense and I haven't lost that intellectual radicalism uh, I think I am more com more apathetic and complacent in the sense that um, I don't have the same um, energy I had when I was younger. Yeah. So it's, I think it's contradictory. I think intellectually I'm still quite as committed as I was. Uh, I certainly, if you ask me who I identify with more, the boomers or the millennials, I tend to say it's the millennials. Okay. Well, let's see. Let's see where you fit here because. Um because I don't know. I think you can be a bit of a fuddy-duddy. I can. No, I'm not disagreeing with that. Um, I, think, I think half of me is like that. We'll see, though. We'll find out. Um, if you had to name a defining moment in your generation's history, it would be likely to be the introduction of same-sex marriage in Australia, the fall of the Berlin Wall, September 11, or the moon landing. For me? Yeah. The, the same-sex marriage. Okay, so it's looking like that's... Uh, we'll see. Uh, okay, you've just bought tickets to a music concert. That's unlikely. Let's, let's this, say. Yeah, I'm going to lose this one. <laughs> but this you, is going downhill fast. <laughs> you've got nothing to wear. Well, that's right. Uh, yeah, how that's do you true. solve this dilemma? You take a second wander through your walk-in wardrobe. I don't know if you have a walk-in wardrobe. You see there's plenty to choose from after all. A bonus is your shoes match the colour of your top. Uh, B, you hop in the car and take a stroll around your local shopping centre. C, you jump on ASOS and order next day delivery. Why is it taking so long? Or D, you fire up your favourite clothes swapping app and search for a bargain. Jeez, none of those. you got to choose one. I've got to choose one. Jeez. Uh, well, I guess it would be the one about going down the shops, but that's unlikely too. Well, that see you, you're a, you're a guy. I don't know if you'd own up to this, but you're a guy who loves a shopping center. I think I do. Yeah, I've always loved shopping centers. So, that's true. I think that's right. We'll go with B. Okay. All right. So if you were asked to name your favorite favorite childhood book, it would be very difficult to go past A. Anything by Doctor Zeus. B. Where the Wild Things Are by Mor Maurice Sendak. C. Paul Jennings books. Like Unreal and Unbelievable, or D, the Hunger Games trilogy, or Andy Griffith's Treehouse series. Yeah, well, none of them. See, this is the problem. Um, Paul Jennings. Yeah, I find that hard to believe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're hosting a party again. That would never happen. Um, and decide to <laughs> never put, and to decide to put some tunes on. Would you rifle through your old record collection for your favourite Rolling Stones LP? Yep, they don't make them like they used to. I think we'll <laughs> stop big, right there. Scroll through a sea of Rihanna albums on iTunes. Yep, yeah. Then decide on the Black Eyed Peas. Go straight to Taylor Swift. Or D, grab Michael Jackson's Thriller CD. Or Bon Jovi's Slippery When Wet. Yeah, again, none of them. But I guess the closest would be the Rolling Stones. Okay. Very on brand. There's nothing like chilling out on the couch and watching your favourite show on TV. If you had to pick one of your all-time favourites, it would be A, The O.C., B, number 96, I've never heard of that, C, The Secret Life of Us, or D, TV. What TV? I'm binging on Netflix. 
Yeah, I know what the millennial answer is. And again, none of those. Absolutely. None of those. What's number 96? It was a soap opera that was around when I was younger and I would never watch it then. So I, I, I don't know what to answer with that one. Uh, can you say the OC, I guess, is the only You'd one. watch the OC? No, there's nothing there that I would watch. But what no, about The Secret Life of Us? Yeah, I guess that's... No, you're right. Secret Life of Us is more of a show that I would like. So you don't watch Netflix? I do watch Netflix. Well, why don't you click on Netflix? Okay. Okay, so No, you, I do, I do. I, I watch Netflix nearly every night. So, so you, you binge on Netflix? Yeah, I do. I didn't know you knew your way around Netflix. Well, see, this is where you think I'm an old fuddy-duddy, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm watching shows on Netflix all the time. Okay, there you go. Um, big news events take place in every generation, but you'll never forget hearing about the September 11... I feel like we already did this. September 11 World Trade Center attacks, the death of Princess Di, the dismissal of the Whitlam government. Okay. Oh, I wonder what we're going to get. And <laughs> a driver ploughing into pedestrians at Melbourne's Burke Street Mall. Yeah, I think you know the answer to this. All right, the dismissal of the Whitlam government. Yes, that's, that's right. That's um, that's the defining that's the defining event of my whole life, I would say. Dad's uh, further left than Stalin, so. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, polit- politician you admire or once admired is oh jeez, here we go again. Gough Whitlam, Julia Gillard, Barack Obama, or Bob Hawke. Oh, this is a tough one for you. Well, for me, it's a, it's it's not Bob Hawke. Okay. So it's a choice between the other three, and I'd have to say it, 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 Whitlam or Obama, and it would have to be, unfortunately, Whitlam. Okay. Not a fan of droning innocent civilians. Um, you're going on holiday interstate with a friend for a week. How do you keep in touch with your boyfriend, girlfriend? <laughs> oh, geez. Fire some funny photos on Snapchat. A phone call during the week via STD. <laughs> Subscriber trunk dialing. I don't know what that is. With constant texting and emojis, a few calls via Skype or WhatsApp. Or a normal call. Well, it would be text or messaging. Okay. So that's pretty good. So you're not you're not using the landline or anything. No, no, I wouldn't be losing the landline. Okay. You're headed out to dance with friends and want to dress to impress. I mean, this, is, ne- complete, this is a different universe. You've from never me. danced a day in your life. <laughs> no, that's true. Was there has there ever been a time where you where you cut the rug? I have danced once or twice. Yes. When did you dance? I've danced at a few weddings. Okay. What about your own wedding? Did you bust a move? No, we didn't have any opportunity for dancing at our there wedding. There was no dancing at your wedding. What no was the point? No dancing at our wedding. It wasn't that kind of wedding. That's the only reason I go it to was a, it. Was a wedding full of grief. <laughs> Oh wow! Okay, <laughs> not Jeez. by me. I wasn't grieving, but some of the audience, some of the congregation were. Ah, all the girls that wanted to date you. Yeah, let's let's keep it at that. <laughs> all right. So what? Okay, we got here a seventies. You gonna wear? What's you gonna wear here? A seventies disco jumpsuit. Step aside, John Travolta. Dude, yeah. this quiz is brutal. Can you see me in that? Um, <laughs> big hair tied back with a scrunchie or pastel pants if you're a bloke. Skinny jeans, preferably black and probably paired with boots. Or let's see now what might look good on Insta. Jeez, they really phoned that one in. Yeah, they did. There's none of those that would anywhere come close to what I What would. about pastel pants? No, I, 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 I can't answer any of those. None of those would be me. I reckon you're kind of a skinny jeans yeah, guy. Yeah, well, I would wear black. Let's put it that way. Yeah, you like black. Uh, black's my colour. You're, go- you're a pseudo-goth. Yeah, Okay, you'd quite like to buy a house. What's your strategy? 
finally decide to move out of home after saving up that deposit, yes, 26 is the perfect age to move out. Sell your first place and try not to think too much about the new mortgage. It will disappear eventually, right? Uh, C, become overwhelmed at property prices and to decide to go traveling indefinitely instead. Or D, sell your three-bedroom house, your beach house, and investment property and buy the next one in cash. Jesus, very, very pointed, this question. Well, the closest to me is the third one where you don't have a house at all. So become overwhelmed and decide to go travel. And my plan is to travel, so so that makes sense. Okay. So there we go. Our, here we go. This is what you want. You are Generation Z. What? So I'm not even a millennial. You're not. Right? You're not a millennial. You were. You're actually born from 1997 onwards. Generation Z well, has never known a world without Google or mobile phones, and their lives are more interconnected with the internet than ever. While there may be greater individualism, this generation is known for being open-minded and concerned about issues such as social justice and the environment. So how did the Gough Whitlam questions get me to that point? I don't know. I think they counted against you for that, but I think all the other ones... Because you live a very... A very kind Simple of young life. you live a young person lifestyle. Well I, you know? I don't I don't live an established life, do I? No, you like you know, you're you're you want to change the world and go travelling and it sounds like a very I don't own a house. Gen Z. Yeah. I don't own a house. Yeah. I don't, so I there don't you go. own many clothes. Yeah, so uh you're not quite as old as we all thought. No, well there you go. See, I I I, I am vindicated by that quiz. Which is highly scientific. Yeah, of course. Um, all right. Uh, so anyway, we wrap this up, but we're going to read an email from Tori. Uh, he oh, Tori emailed, does Tori write every week? Tori, where well, he missed last week, and he's he's actually opened the email saying, "Sorry, I missed last week's email." So here we go. He says, "My first resentment this week is from people posting on Facebook an old picture and a paragraph love message on their wall, so everyone can see it." as if it's a grand gesture, but it's not. It's just obnoxious attention-seeking. Tell them in person or call them if distance is an issue, or at worst, do it as a private message. This is extra prevalent during special days like Mother's and Father's Day. What do you think about that? So he's, he's objecting to people who put a private message of love yeah. up and repost it. Is that it? Uh, just any, any private... Any like sentimental private message that's just like on a Facebook wall. So yeah. it's public for everyone to see. Yeah, I, I I tend to think that is a kind of showing off. Yeah. I think Facebook is like that anyway. I, I, I'm guilty of sometimes... Sometimes I feel bad because I put a, a post up which which can only beg for a response of people telling me how much they love me. Yeah. And I think... And I think I think Facebook really runs on this kind of exhibitionism where you're just saying, look at me, what sort of person I am. Yeah, it's very odd. It's like so, it's like performative both ways though. Because yeah. if you if you post something saying, oh, you know how much I love this person or how much I care about this issue, even the people responding to that, they're performing yeah, they by are. responding back. Like they're saying, oh, this is, I agree with you. I care about this so yeah. much as well. And so, but I'm guilty of, oh, I turn into this piece of shit where, not only am I bad at responding to messages, I also don't respond to the Facebook things. So then I it would be better for me to do this performative stuff because I end up not ever telling someone happy birthday. Or not even, you know what I mean? Like, a, Yeah, yeah, I know. So um, 
I, I don't want to take part in it so then I end up doing nothing and then I end up worse than everyone well, else. Well, I think, but I think it's better in, with these things is to do nothing or not. I think it's better not to get into it in the first place. Yeah. Or if you do it, you have to commit because if people know you never say happy birthday on Facebook, they'll accept that. But if they think, oh, you're saying happy birthday to some people but not other people, that's, that's where you feel you're in trouble. But these people that do it, does that mean they do it they have like thousand friends so they're doing two a day like well you know obviously you're going to miss i mean you can't keep up that kind of level of of commitment can you yeah but but it is i mean i always feel you know look let's face it there are friends on my facebook i see it's their birthday and even though they're my friends on facebook i actually don't think that i'm their friend really yeah i don't think i need to say happy birthday to them because our lives are so separate so you do pick and choose but you know what i found someone put a this happens to me a lot is that someone will put up a really loving message to someone for their birthday an incredibly uh verbose over the top sentimental message and then i feel like just saying happy birthday is sounds really lame but you feel i don't want to like i mean that what is that what why do i have to outperform somebody's yeah you can't love win. message so all you can say is happy birthday but then yeah. you go geez that sounded shitty yeah <laughs> um yeah, I think the other thing is like um, when someone has passed away, you kind of feel like people make it about themselves. Yeah, I like think when that it's all a, time, a famous yeah. person and they post the photo of them with them and and their relationship to the person, it's like, well, it should be about losing that person and, and what they meant, not about what you did. You know? Yeah, well, I always feel that about people who go to a you know like a public memorial site and leave flowers and teddy bears. Yeah. And then they take a selfie of them doing it. I always feel mm. like, well, it's not it's not authentic emotion because yeah. if you're if you have to take a photo of yourself to prove how emotional you are, that's it's not it's just a performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um anyway, he says um if uh, if you've got to use a public or work toilet and they supply one ply toilet paper <laughs> as if they would save money but people are just going to grab three times as much. Yes, that's right. To get that quilt and feel, and and that we mentioned this last week, so it's actually good timing, um, because he said I said I'm sick of it, and I think it's a human rights issue, and we need to fix it. But Tori said that uh, it actually doesn't even save money anyway, because people are going to use three times as much. Is that your experience? Yeah, I think so, and I think it just shits everybody more. Uh, yeah, I think it's ridiculous, and I think it's it's it it's not it's completely false economy. Because all it means is that is that people have to use more and they just empty it out quicker. No, I agree with that. But I reckon no matter how much you use, it's like it just feels like sandpaper. It's just so bad. It is. It's always bad. Um, yeah, yeah. The experience of public toilets, uh, toilets anywhere, is can vary immensely. Yeah, I don't like it. I think we should sort it out. Um, but anyway, we're gonna uh, we're gonna leave you with that. Um, thanks for coming on, Dad. You've been great. That's all right. It's a it's a highlight of my life, really, to make this grade. Yeah, you can you can tell all your uh, your your fans and your all your friends. And Dad's a very high profile individual, so he's quite a it's quite a get for the show. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> complete get. Um, but uh, I wanted again apologize that the fiftieth episode couldn't be this week, but we we ended up getting something special for you. We got Dad on here, um, so we're gonna try and work it out for next week's episode and. 
good thing is, like I said before, you still got time to send in your resentments to the resentment list at gmail.com. Tell us the things you don't like about us. Say, you know, you might have to say, I'll never have Bo- Ben host again. He can't do it. He can't, he can't hold it down. He's only good making the occasional comment in the background or interrupting Naomi. Um, but uh, thank you and uh, God bless, I guess. And uh, please don't hate me. Bye.